Welcome to the Friday edition of Transformation Radio. Good morning, guys. My name is Chris Encio, and I'm transferring to third phase today for the second time in 16 months. Um, I'm a failure. I'm a disappointment. I have no right to be here or even speak to you guys. I mean, what can you really learn from a man who couldn't even hold it together for three months after completing? You see, this is what goes through my mind. This is what my will tells me. My will tells me I have no words for you, but God tells me I have his words. And this is one of the verses that really helped me out in the last three weeks. Um, Romans 7, verse 14 through 25. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful being. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do what is wrong. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered the principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I will do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that has overpowered, that is overpowered by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful flesh, I'm a slave to it. Like most of us, I was good at surviving because, because of the life I had led. I could take a lot physically, mentally, sleep where no one else could sleep, eat where no one else could eat, be beat up by fists till, till I was a bloody mess, torn down and brought to my knees by words of hate by people I loved, and still keep going. It was me and my will for a long time. I prided myself on my strengths. But my, will was, but my will was ultimately what drove me to these dark places that I had to survive through. It was a never-ending cycle. My will condemned me. My will saved me. My will condemned me. My will saved me. Ultimately, I think this would, this would turn me into an old man with no family, friends, or purpose. Just surviving, never truly living. You see, um, I was so used to performing on the outside with my hands and my words and my actions, but the trouble had to be fixed from the inside. I had to truly unlock my heart for God. Like the scripture said, I am sinful and too human, a slave to sin even. I realized my will is not strong enough. There is only one way to conquer my flesh and truly be alive. I had to, it had to come from me, it, I had to take responsibility from the, for, for the contents of my heart and give the truth of my heart to God. 
So when people ask, what will you do different this time, Crescencio? I say, put my will down and start trusting in him. Truly let him into my heart by working at a relationship with him every day by staying broken. I love all you guys. And I just wanted to uh, to um, say thank you to the guys, when I, to the ones when I fell that tried to pick me up, uh, Ron and Tom and Dr. Dave, Dr. Duke, Joanne, James, Carl, Danny, Jacob, Kevin, um, and a lot of other ones I haven't named. But I just want to say um, uh, I'm sorry and I'm an idiot. <laughs> but... Uh, I'm back now, and, and let's get it. And uh, God bless you all. Thanks.
And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today will come from the book of Romans, chapter 14, verses 1 through 23. Right there in verse 1, we see that it assumes there will be differences of opinion in the church. Imagine that! (laughs) We're admonished here not to pass judgment on issues that are matters of opinion. These differences should not be feared or avoided, but accepted and handled with love. Don't expect everyone, even the best in the church, to agree on every subject. Through sharing ideas, we can come to a fuller understanding of what the Bible teaches. Accept, listen to, and respect others. Differences of opinion need not cause division. They can be a source of learning and richness in our relationships. This passage asks the question, Who is weak in faith and who is strong? Well, we're all weak in some areas and strong in others. Our faith is strong in an area if we can survive contact with sinners without falling into their patterns. It's weak in an area if we must avoid certain activities, people, or places in order to protect our spiritual life. It's important to take a self-inventory in order to find out our strengths and weaknesses. Whenever in doubt, we should ask, Can I do that without sinning? Can I influence others for good rather than being influenced by them? Well, in areas of strength... We should not fear being defiled by the world. Rather, we should go and serve God, and in areas of weakness, we need to be cautious. If we have a strong faith but shelter it, we're not doing Christ's work in the world. If we have a weak faith but expose it, we're being extremely foolish. Eating all things, we'll see in this passage, refers to meat offered to idols. Another eats herbs or vegetables, refers to one weaker in the faith who eats only vegetables and refuses to eat meat that has been offered to idols. But how would Christians end up eating meat that had been offered to idols? Well, the ancient system of sacrifice was at the center of the religious, social, and domestic life of the Roman world. After a sacrifice was presented to a god in a heathen temple, only part of it was burned. The remainder was often sent to the market to be sold. So, a Christian might easily, even unknowingly, buy such meat in the marketplace or eat it at the home of a friend. Should a Christian question the source of his meat? Some thought there was nothing wrong with eating meat that had been offered to idols, since idols were not real gods. While others carefully checked the source of their meat, or else gave up meat altogether in order to avoid a guilty conscience. The problem was especially acute for Christians who had once been idol worshippers. For them, such a strong reminder of their pagan days might weaken their newfound faith. Both strong and weak Christians can cause their brothers to stumble. The strong but insensitive Christian may flaunt his freedom and intentionally offend others' consciences. The scrupulous but weak Christian tries to fence others in with piety, rules, and regulations, thus causing dissension. While Paul wants his readers to be both strong in the faith and sensitive to others' needs. Now, since we are all strong in some areas and weak in others, we need to constantly be monitoring the effect of our behavior on those around us. Okay, with that, let's begin our reading today, here in the New Testament. Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 23. Accept other believers who are weak in faith, And don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything. 
but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't, and those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? They are responsible to the Lord, so let Him judge whether they are right or wrong, and with the Lord's help they will do what is right and receive His approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord, and if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord both of the living and of the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the Scriptures say, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will confess and give praise to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Next, we'll be reading from the book of Psalms, chapter 24, verses 1 through 10. Here's what we'll find there. Because the earth is the Lord's, all of us are stewards or caretakers. We're committed to the proper management of this world and its resources. But we are not to become devoted to anything created or act as sole proprietors because they will all pass away. 
Vanity, in this case, as we shall see in today's passage, refers to falsehood. And swearing deceitfully means telling lies under oath. How greatly God values honesty. Dishonesty comes easily, especially when complete truthfulness could cost us something, or make us uncomfortable, or put us in an unfavorable light. Dishonest communication hinders relationships. Without honesty, a relationship with God is impossible. If we lie to others, we begin to deceive ourselves. God cannot hear us or speak to us if we're building a wall of self-deception. Now this psalm, often set to music, was probably used in corporate worship. It may have been reenacted many times at the temple. The people outside would call out to the temple gates to open up and let the King of Glory in. And with that, let's begin our reading today here in the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 24, verses 1 through 10, a psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. Interlude Open up, ancient gates. Open up, ancient doors. And let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, invincible in battle. Open up, ancient gates. Open up, ancient doors. And let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. He is the King of glory. Interlude Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12 Ears to hear and eyes to see. Both are gifts from the Lord. Have you ever considered what your life would look like if you weren't a Christian? Would you spend your time and your money and your energy in the same way? Would you have a different purpose or a different direction? Would your life look any different? My question is essentially this. Does your faith in Jesus affect the way you live? Can it be tangibly seen in your life? In the first century, the church of Corinth was struggling with the idea of bodily resurrections. And they were saying, when you die, and when Christ returns, he's going to raise up your soul, but bodies are just going to die and rot in the ground. They're done with. And the apostle Paul catches wind of this, and he sees it as a serious issue. And so in chapter 15, 1 Corinthians, Paul responds. And he says to the Corinthians, consider the logic of your statement. You're saying there's no such thing as a bodily resurrection, but if there's no resurrection, then even Christ hasn't been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then all this Christianity, this church stuff, is all just futile. And Paul goes on to say in verse 19 that if in Christ we have hope in this life only, in other words, if Christ hasn't been raised, then we, Christians of all people, ought to be pitied. The assumption of Paul's statement is this, that that the lives of the Corinthians and of Paul were being affected by their faith. So much so that if Christ hasn't risen, then they were just wasting their lives. They should have just been living for themselves and seeking every pleasure they could get their hands on. 
Nobody embodies this assumption more than the Apostle Paul. This guy's life is radical, and it, it's just affected by Christ in every way. Before becoming a Christian, Paul's doing well. He's important. He's Ivy League trained. He's got double citizenship. He's a member of this elite group called the Sanhedrin. He's important, and he has power. But after he meets Christ, Paul gives up those accolades and that power, and he stops using it to abuse Christians, and he becomes a servant of Jesus Christ. And he starts going from city to city, just proclaiming the gospel, and starting churches, and pastoring churches. And for this, he's getting beaten, and stoned, and imprisoned, but he doesn't stop, because he has a new hope, and a new mission, a new purpose. His eyes are set on a future that goes beyond this life, because Christ has risen. And so Paul doesn't stop when he gets abused, when he suffers. They beat him, and they throw him in prison, but he converts the guard. And they beat him and throw him out of the city, but he gets up and goes back in and proclaims the gospel. Every part of Paul's life is affected by his faith in Jesus, by the fact that Christ has risen. And so absolutely, if Christ hasn't risen, then Paul, of all people, ought to be pitied. I mean, if Christianity is a hoax, this guy wasted his life. He suffered for nothing. He spent all that time and energy for nothing. He should have, again, just been seeking his own pleasure, grabbing onto every satisfaction, gratification he could get his hands on. The trick, though, the catch is this, that Christ has risen, that he was crucified, that on the third day that tomb was found empty, that he rose and appeared to more than 500 men and women, and so Paul ought not to be pitied, but imitated. Apostle Paul sets for us an example of what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Our relationship with God is supposed to affect the way we live. When Jesus comes in, when he moves into our heart, he transforms us, transforms our purposes and our desires and sets our eyes on him instead of ourselves to the point that we're spending our money and our energy and our resources differently. We're spending it for the kingdom of God. And really, where there's no evidence of this transformation, you might be fooling yourself into thinking you're a disciple of Jesus when you're not. When you're really a part of that group who in Matthew 7, Jesus says, Depart from me, I never knew you. So maybe we, may we be challenged by Paul's statement here. Challenged to reflect on our lives and, and consider how our faith is affecting how we live. Is there any fruit, any evidence of transformation? Are we living differently because of this hope we have in Jesus? May we give every piece of our lives to the cause of Christ. And may we be able to say with Paul that if Christ is not risen, we have wasted our lives. Christ has risen, so don't waste your life by not spending it for Jesus.
just want something beautiful to touch me. I know that I'm married because I am down on my knees and waiting for something beautiful. And for years I was scared of it. We can't be sure when it will subside. So I won't leave your side. No, I can't leave your side. Hey, now this is my desire. Consume it like a fire. Cause I just want something beautiful to touch me. Awesome journey ever since uh, Benton County the day that I walked in here it's neat that I'm sitting in the church where I woke in, I walked into and was literally broken down couldn't uh, couldn't even hold water I puked so much out in the uh, the parking lot uh, just was totally exhausted and a few days before that I and uh, I came close to taking my own life I didn't want to live no more and I mean, just the the change in, in the five months is, is amazing that now I look forward to tomorrow. Um, I always hated being alone. Uh, now I have all these brothers and I have God on my side. There's no stopping me now. So I just look forward to 
the rest of my journey with uh, the refuge. And I want to give a big shout out to the whole entire second phase for helping me out in my uh, family day. I really appreciate that. It turned out pretty well. Um, that's about it. I love all you guys. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Transformation Radio.